0: Pullback! It's our New Year's quiz. We love to do this; it's a tradition. We brought on some fellow Canadian podcasters, and we're going to be doing a roundup of all of the amazing, interesting, terrifying, awful things that happened this year. And if you guys wouldn't mind introducing yourselves, let's start with uh, let's start with Jennifer Fellows.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Jennifer Gel Fellows. I'm on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish people of the Kakite Nation, and I am the host of the podcast Gender, Sex, and Tech. So you can find me at tech underscore gender because I'm still on Twitter. Maybe we'll talk about that. I don't know how I feel about that, but you can find me there.
0: I should have thrown in it. There is no question about X uh, or Twitter. I refuse to call it X. (laughs) I like to call it X because I think it's funny. Whenever somebody says Twitter, I'm like, excuse me, sorry, what? I've never heard of that. (laughs) It's a stupid joke that I'm never going to tire of. All right, moving on to contestant number two. Let's talk to Eric Wickham.
2: Hey, everyone. My name is Eric Wickham. I am a journalist with The Hoser. I'm working on the data-driven reporting project. We're tracking grocery prices across the city of Toronto. Um, I'm also one of the developers of Unrigged, and I run a podcast called uh, Big Shiny Takes, where we read the worst columns we can find in Canadian news. Very looking forward to talking about this wonderful year. So many wonderful things (laughs) happened.
0: I tried to keep it a little upbeat, but like news is news, you know? Okay, and finally we have contestant number three, Katie Lore.
3: Hello, yes, I am Katie Lore. I am a freelance podcast producer, and I also do my own indie podcast called Curious Tourism, which has collaborated with Pullback before. Very fun episode. Um, and I'm also the author of Pod the North, which is the Substack newsletter for Canadian podcasters.
0: I love Pod the North. Just like thank quitch. you, I, I love the work that all of you do. But Pod the North is such a delight and very, very. I love the loose. You're like, hi everyone. Um, it's one minute to deadline, and here I am. <laughs> 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 I said to I sent out a newsletter with one
3: minute to deadline being midnight at on a Tuesday and then I realized there's still like 2
0: hours left in the rest of Canada and I was like damn it I didn't need to point that out <laughs> Amazing. All right. So uh, what Kristen and I tend to do for these is we're going to ask a series of questions in a panel quiz style. And the winner, the person who gets the most answers right, we will make a donation. I should have warned you guys actually in advance. I always forget to tell people, but we'll make a donation to a charity of choice. So if you guys want to, yeah, if you guys want to think about that for throughout the episode, you'll all get to kind of shout out who you would like to have listeners support at the end. And then Kristen and I will each make like a $50 donation to the winner. And and it doesn't need to be like a registered charity. So if you want us to
4: donate to Unrigged, that's fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I will not be doing that. But don't worry, I also won't be winning. So
0: <laughs> We'll see. There's a lot of, well, you know what? We'll just get into it. So uh, to buzz in, uh, we're each going to pick a buzz in word. And Kristen is going to keep track of the score for us. So uh, Jennifer, what word would you like to buzz in with?
1: Okay, I will buzz in with cats.
0: Oh, excellent word. Eric?
2: I'll say help.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Katie? I'm just going to go with ah.
0: Nice, nice. All right. Let's get into it. We're going to start with Canadian
1: politics. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No one could see my face, so I'm safe.
4: (laughs) This is a side note before you ask the first question, Kyla. Uh, very sensible buzzin words. Uh, last year, Megan Linton used jurisdiction and it caused so much trouble for her.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're all like one syllable. Not messing around yeah. here. <laughs>
0: All right, here we go. Canada had its fair share of election drama this year, but let's focus on the two blockbuster wins. What were the two headline-stealing victories that shook up their respective political landscapes? Earn yourself a point for each correct answer. I help. Go, Eric.
2: So Olivia Chow won the municipal election in Toronto, and then Wab Canu won in Manitoba. He's now the premier.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. I wanted to start on a high note. So shout out to Olivia Chow and Wob Canoe. Big, I'm a big fan of both of those people. <laughs> yes.
3: Those are very exciting moments that had completely disappeared out of my brain. So you know what?
0: <laughs> Thank you, Eric, for reminding me of those very exciting moments. I love, I love Wab Canoe. I think he's fantastic. I uh, I hope I don't have to eat these words later. He seems <laughs> rad. Uh, and like in Manitoba, of all places. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah. So Olivia Chow uh, is now the mayor of Toronto. She became the first visible minority person and the first woman to lead the city uh, post-amalgamation. Woo. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Wab canoe is now the Democratic Party leader of a majority government as the premier of Manitoba. And uh, I think he's fantastic. I follow him on TikTok. He's great.
3: Isn't he doing a lot of really cool stuff in terms of bringing a lot of like traditional indigenous values into his cabinet? Like I thought he had a lot of women in his cabinet, too, but this is just off the top of my head, so I can't remember.
0: I'm going to give him credit for that, even if it's not <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's, there's going to be some cool
3: stuff coming out of his government. I really hope to see, at least.
1: Is it true that he's the first indigenous premier of a province as well?
4: First First Nations, there have been Métis premiers
0: before.
1: Ah, mm. thank you.
0: All right, question number two. In the latest time-traveling escapade, conservative leaders in Saskatchewan and on the federal stage laced up their vintage shoes, boogied back to the 20th century, and decided (laughs) it was high time to swipe away children's rights. Can you recall the two policies that had the conservatives dancing on the wrong side of history? Two points up for grabs.
1: Cats. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, go go ahead. I think one is like decreasing the age at which people can enter the labor force.
0: Whoa! Is that <laughs> oh.
1: true,
4: Kristen? <laughs> I'll I'll fact check it, but if it is true, I think she should get a point for that.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Hopefully I'm wrong. I think the other one was the controversy around parental rights, and I'm using my air quotes on that one.
0: That is correct, yes. So that's definitely one of the points, which is that Saskatchewan followed New Brunswick's policy in implementing a a rule that requires parental consent when students under 16 years old wish to change their gender pronouns. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, does anyone have any idea for what the second one that I had in mind was? Uh, it's along the same vein as the first one there.
1: Was it access to um, hormones?
0: Yes. So, yeah. So J- Jennifer gets two, potentially three points. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I really hope I don't get three.
0: I hope that was wrong. <laughs> So at the Conservative Party uh, policy convention this year, delegates voted 69 to 31 percent to ban under 18 year olds from having gender affirming care, such as surgical interventions. So that's upsetting, but I don't think it's, like, policy. It's just something that they agreed to make policy should they be, like, elected. I'm pretty sure. Kristen might know more about that than I do.
4: I'm still fact-checking the working-age thing. I don't think that Saskatchewan did it. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some American states
0: that did. Okay,
4: okay Good.
1: <laughs> I mean, not good. <laughs>
0: Better America than Canada.
1: <laughs> it's still bad. It's still bad. <laughs>
0: All right. Okay. Another, another happy news story. Following the 2019 Canadian Human Rights Tribunal ruling, which mandated Ottawa to compensate First Nations children and their families for discrimination, a judge has now approved an unprecedented agreement in the realm of First Nations child welfare. What is the amount the federal government has been directed to pay in response to this historic decision?
3: Ah, yes. I, for some reason i'm thinking $10,000 per person but i don't know if that's correct and i think that might just be a reference to something else i've heard
0: i think it's actually like i think i saw like 4 or four, it was either 4,000 or 40,000 but anyways the total amount is $23 billion and that was wow. just ruled on in october So, and uh, I mean, Ottawa tried to fight it, uh, but the judge was like, no, no, no. You can't fight this. And it was 40,000 each. I just
4: fact-checked that.
0: Oh, thank you, Kristen. (laughs) That's much better than 10,000 each. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. No, I'm actually super excited about that news. I saw that and I was like, that's got to make the quiz. (laughs) Totally. All right. This is our last question for Canadian politics, and then we'll move on to another Round? Category? <laughs> yeah, category. Thank you. Good thing our guests are so intelligent. On November 23rd, the federal government received a record setting petition with over 286,000 signatures. What issue is this petition addressing?
3: Ah. Yes, Katie. <laughs> is it uh, the horrific things that are happening in Palestine right now?
0: Yes, it was a petition for a ceasefire in Gaza. Yes.
1: That was yes. going to be my guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was uh, – It's uh, since they started the e petitions system in 2015, this is by far the largest petition they've ever received. So by, like, a lot, by, like, an order of thousands of signatures. So this is an issue that has really – captured the attention of the globe. I don't know if you guys have been seeing all of the like boycotts that people are doing against like Starbucks and McDonald's and all of that. Well, I thought I saw some
3: commentary around how this petition was like forcing the government to actually do some decision, make some decisions and like take some action. And uh, there was some stuff going around on Twitter or Sorry,
1: what?
3: Oh, <laughs> uh, here <we> go. <laughs> Just around – some people were saying, you know, like, there's nothing we can do as civilians when it comes to this. Uh, and then some folks were pointing to that petition in in particular saying, like, heads up. This petition actually was the uh, – thanks to all the things that civilians have been doing has been signing this. So – and I've been getting the email updates from that petition as well because I did sign it.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. I signed it too. Yeah. I uh... – I, I, it sounds like most people signed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So now we're going to move on to our next category, which is climate change, uh, because it's not a pullback podcast episode <laughs> if we don't have an existential crisis. So,
1: And there are so many to pick from right now. I already have one answer
3: queued up and ready to go. So <laughs> I'm just waiting for the, the question.
0: This first one is a, is a doozy. In the midst of what noteworthy event did Ted Cruz opt for a vacation in Cancun?
2: Uh, help.
0: <laughs> yes, Eric.
2: There was uh, a snowstorm in Texas, was there not? And he just kind of disappeared. They oh, <laughs> got really right. mad when people started asking why he disappeared. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's vacation time. Like,
1: And it knocked out power,
0: didn't it? Yes, yeah, um, an ice storm in Texas left hundreds of thousands of people without electricity for days, and he went to Cancun. It wasn't a pre-planned vacation. His daughters asked him if they could go when the power went out, so he bought, like, last minute tickets to
1: Cancun and left.
2: It's leading by example.
1: (laughs) Isn't that, like, a textbook example of how climate change affects us disproportionately? (laughs) Yes, yeah. You're like, oh, there's no power here. I'll just get on a plane (laughs) and go to where there's power.
2: What a great guy. Honestly, like, you could say a lot about Ted Cruz, but the first thing you gotta say is, like, just unbelievably great guy.
0: Okay, here we go. In August, 20,000 citizens of Yellowknife were evacuated during Canada's most severe wildfire year on record. According to data from the European Union Satellite Monitoring Service, how many times higher were the emissions from these fires compared to Canada's annual emissions? And I will be shocked if anyone can get this answer. It's a bit of a hard one, but I wanted to get it in there.
3: I know so many other random facts about this story, but not
0: that. Canada's annual emissions, which we already put out, um, how many times more did we, like, <laughs> put out this year just
1: from forest fires? I so don't want to know. <laughs> I know,
0: right? <laughs> ah, 20 times. Oh, thank God it's not that. <laughs>
3: okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm not shocked by anything these days.
1: Okay, if it's not that, that's good. Um, cats? Five times?
0: That's pretty close.
2: Uh, help. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna Price this Right this, uh, six. <laughs>
0: Okay, so uh, the fires this year emitted three times the total emissions that Canada, a major fossil fuel producing nation, itself produces each year. So three times as much as our annual emissions just from forest fires. Cool story, everyone.
2: Very depressing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love this game. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we put climate change in the middle and not at the end.
1: (laughs) But yeah, no, talking about like all the weird... I mean, I guess it's not weird. I guess it's, our, I hate this phrase, but our like new normal weather now. It's like now everyone in BC where I am has gotten used to the phrase atmospheric river, which was a thing I had never heard of a couple of years ago. <laughs> and now we're just like, oh, it's atmospheric river season, I guess. What is that? It is. There is so much rain falling from the sky. It's like a river pouring out of the atmosphere on you.
3: Well, this is one of the first years where I like was out walking my dog. And I was like, why does it smell like nail polish remover outside? And I was this is the weirdest thing. And then I called my parents about it. <laughs> and they're like, I was like, does it smell like nail polish remover where you guys are? And they're, they live maybe an hour away from where I live. And they were like, yeah, kind of smells funny outside. We don't really know what it is. And then I Googled it and it had to do with all of the wildfire smoke turning into like formaldehyde in the atmosphere and just becoming a disgusting smelling chemical just scattering down to earth, which is just such a lovely thought. So yeah, that was really exciting happening in Ontario. And that was from the forest fires that were happening in up north and I think in Quebec at the same time, because that was just chaotic. It was insane. I'm not looking forward to the next summer.
0: Uh, Okay, great. I'm going to move on to our last climate change question. And this is a two truths and a lie question. So you guys have to pick out the lie. The big annual UN climate conference, uh, Conference of the Parties, or COP28, just wrapped up. And we know that it has been um, a bit of a joke for a while now. Which of the following did not happen at this year's climate conference? Number one, The Canadian government announced an emissions cap on oil and gas producers that aligns with the 2030 climate targets. Number two, the COP28 president denied climate change. And number three, environmental groups named Alberta as the fossil of the day. Ah. Oh, help. (laughs) Katie. I would say A. Yes, that's correct. Uh. Canada did not announce an emissions cap on oil and gas producers that aligns with 2030 climate targets. Uh, They did announce a cap, but it does not align with any 2030 targets. So, like, what's the point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The other two things did happen. The president did deny climate change, and uh, Alberta was named as the fossil of the day on December 6th uh, from the Climate Action Network, which they do this every day of COP. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Danielle Smith brought like an entourage of lobbyists. I believe the Saskatchewan leader did as well. Oh my god.
1: I'm not surprised about the third one necessarily, but I'm surprised about your second fact, the president denied climate
3: change. (laughs) I'm not surprised by that, but very disappointed.
1: (laughs) I think I'm too hopeful that we've moved past climate change denialism. Perhaps that is not true.
2: (laughs) Did they finally get to like a resolution to eventually and the use of fossil fuels i know that was a controversy at one point because they wouldn't say they wouldn't commit to it during the conference
4: yeah i think they agreed to phase it down i think was the phrasing oh i
2: love that <laughs> i love the lukewarmness of that statement
4: i just want to point out that the uh
3: the answer that i had queued up for this section was the question was never asked and i that that answer was electric vehicles
0: oh what was the question that you were expecting? I don't know, something to do with uh, batteries and mining in Canada. (laughs) Kristen and I have talked ad nauseum about that, and uh, we don't want to make all of our listeners sad all the time in the same ways. we just shake it up a bit, you know?
1: (laughs) We need a mosaic
0: of sadness. A mosaic of sadness. (laughs) Kristen, can we add that to our show descriptor? (laughs) That's awesome. We're moving on to tech news. So, to honor Collins Dictionary crowning AI as the standout word of 2023, we're going to dive into some quick fire questions exploring the current state of artificial intelligence. What addition was made to the list of restrictions for Grammy nominations this year? Cats?
1: Oh, oh, was it because of that one where they made a song in the style of an artist by using AI, but the artist wasn't actually involved at all?
0: Well, your answer is correct. They updated uh, their rules to restrict AI-generated songs, and potentially it's because of, like, straight-up AI theft. That's been very uh, big this year. Well, and because
1: you can also, like, you can have AI generate the artist's voice as well, right? So you could potentially have a song that the artist did not perform on at all, but that kind of sounds like that.
0: I have to talk to my family about, like, a safe password or something because Kristen and I... We have a
1: safe word, yeah. We
0: do too. <laughs> yeah, because our voices are all over the internet. I'm like, it'd be super easy to, like, pretend I've been kidnapped. I'm like, you have my permission to hang up and call my cell phone. Like Here's the safe word. If
1: I really need money, here's the safe
2: word. Yeah, if I contact you out of the blue, ask for a stack of Amazon gift cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ask me these questions. Um, I, do, I do think it, like, would be interesting to see see uh an ai win a grammy just like for the those original ai artists are so bad it, it would devalue the grammy as an award like entirely um i i spent an entire day just going through like different different uh like startups for like these ai artists and like uh <laughs> oh, there was a there was some play on hannah montano's like anna idaho or something and she was oh just i say she is like it's just you know a pile of code but the worst thing i've ever i heard. know but
1: we're really encouraged to use pronouns with them and to like are mm-hmm. we like form relationships with them that's a whole other rabbit hole <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: we have a few questions in this category so i'm sure it'll come up more uh but first which american city granted 24 7 operating approval to two competing driverless taxi companies this year
2: uh, help. I'm going to say San Francisco.
0: Now, of course it was San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 24-7 operating approval to two competing driverless taxi companies. Oh my gosh. What do you guys think about driverless taxis? Like, I, any, any opinions on that?
2: Well, I like that, you know, San Francisco, you have choice of company to choose from for the car that you get into that will eventually drive into a barrier um, with you inside, which is like, that's exciting.
1: (laughs) Or like the side of a bus or something.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or in the bike lane, you know, just it's super fun. Uh, (laughs) It's crazy that, you know, companies just get to use the streets of San Francisco um, as their, you know, test field. It's great. We love when humans get to be used as guinea pigs.
3: Isn't that what San Francisco is for?
2: Totally.
4: Yes. Yeah.
3: All the startups there, they're just testing out everything. Yeah, I am not stoked on driverless cars at all. I think what I'd feel more comfortable with is if a driverless car was in a track that was like locked into the ground. You've just described a
0: trolley or a train. (laughs) That's the sky train. Yeah. (laughs) I think I want trolleys.
1: There's also like big issues about, you know, when something goes wrong, they're usually described as like a glitch in the programming rather than like, you know, somebody made a morally or an unethical decision and and we need to do something. It's like, oh, it's just we'll just rewrite the programming and nobody's at fault. And that's that's not great for how our legal system is currently set up and how the US's legal system, because this is the states, is is currently set up in terms of like getting compensation if you do get hit by one of these.
0: What's wrong with trains? Just build more <laughs> trains, build a trolley system. Yes.
1: <laughs> we need better public transit.
0: All right. Next question. In the era of AI-generated news, what significant blunder led Microsoft to retract an article discussing tourism in Ottawa? Yeah. This is one of my favorite things that happened this year. This was so good.
1: (laughs) It's so familiar, but I can't remember what it is. It's not the blender that I remember from Microsoft, so I'll just hold my blender for later (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> On August 18th, Microsoft pulled an article recommending the Ottawa Food Bank to tourists, recommending that they come <gasps> hungry. No. Oh Did you guys not see that? Kristen and I? Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I remember this. I completely
3: forgot. Yeah, yeah this one
2: just like <laughs> fell out of my brain. It is like so insulting to journalism the, <laughs> that they think that they could just use, you know, a language model to write an entire article. And then like the hubris to not fact check it. (laughs) Or
1: read it once.
2: Just one time.
1: Wasn't there a lawyer that did that too and used AI to like generate a bunch of legal briefings and none of it was real? (laughs) And the lawyer didn't fact check it either? Yeah. So he got in
0: like big trouble for that. That's right. Yeah. What was your blunder from Microsoft that you were thinking of, Jennifer?
1: I was thinking about when they rolled out Bing with um, generative AI and a reporter was doing the story and Bing told the reporter that the reporter was in a loveless marriage and the reporter should leave the partner and also call Bing Sheila from now on.
3: Yeah, I remember this.
1: I was like, whoa, <laughs> this was supposed to just be a search engine.
2: There was also a, an article that was published by Gizmodo that was like written by generative AI and it was supposed to list like all the Star Wars movies in chronological order, which is not an exciting article. It's not a good idea for a piece of content, but the <laughs> the language model ended up getting it wrong, anyways. And then it, it got published, and so it's so like what what were the editors doing, anyways? Like uh, the staff there were like furious when that happened.
0: This is probably a good time to shout out Unrigged as a place that people can go to get (laughs) articles that have been vetted by actual journalists. And written by humans. (laughs) <laughs> my
3: last note on that is that this is something that we've been talking about on my show, Curious Tourism, and we've been wanting to dive into more, which is generative AI's impact on travel bloggers. Because like what happened in Ottawa, there's now people are just running their keywords through um, generative AI to just create content for their blog and probably are not reading through it either anyway. Um, and then it kind of just is... Making the whole blogging industry look kind of weird. Meanwhile, you have people spending like thousands of dollars traveling around the world to be able to write about it all. And then people don't even have to travel anymore to write travel content. It's weird. It's a weird thing. Yeah. I should write a travel book this week and it and see what happens. You could probably write it right now and
0: still record this podcast at the same time. That's true. Let me just open chat GPT in another window while I... Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Have you actually like ever come across an ai written book um without knowing that it was until you read it
0: no have you that sounds like a nightmare
2: (laughs) it's stunk so i needed (laughs) i needed something for um i was trying to learn a specific library in python it's like this is nerd stuff i apologize everybody but uh I'm like reading I'm reading the documentation. This was a free ebook that was being promoted somewhere. I think it was on social media. So I was like reading it. At least
1: you didn't pay for yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I would have yeah.
2: been much angrier. <laughs> yeah, I'm like reading it. I'm like, this just seems weird. Like something's not right about this. They're not explaining things very well. Like the example code is kind of like junky. And then like I, I flipped to the, the front and it, it mentioned in the acknowledgements that this was written entirely using a language model. And it was just like, Such a waste of my time.
0: You could have gone to a language model of your own and asked for the same book, you know? like true. That's why you go to somebody else to learn something. Yeah. Oh, man. It
2: just made me so mad. This is a venting session now for me. I apologize.
0: (laughs) I heard, um, I think maybe it was an episode of Behind the Bastards, but they were talking about like AI generated like children's books taking over now. And parents who are too tired to like vet all of the books that they get their kids and they just like pick something because they think the cover art looks good or whatever. And it's just AI generated trash. This makes me so sad for our children.
1: So I, I teach for a living when I'm not podcasting and writing for me is like, Definitely a part of how you process your thoughts. Like, that's why you go through multiple drafts, right? And so it's like, we're outsourcing thought now to something that doesn't think. And that just drives me crazy.
0: Final question in this category. Amidst a summer buzzing with strikes, the writer's walkout took center stage, bringing significant victories like AI regulations, salary bumps, residuals, and job security. How many days was this spicy
1: strike? Cats? (laughs) <laughs> i don't know why i think this 83
0: no it was longer than that
2: uh help number 100 and in, is in there in my head for this i'm gonna say 183
0: katie did you want to have a guess yeah, my number was 126. All right. Uh, I'm going to say Katie can have this one for being the closest. Yes! It was 112 days. Uh, yeah, it was a record-breaking length of time for the writer's strike. And it's a very difficult question. But when it reached the 100-day mark, it kind of made a bunch of news. And then it it uh, ended shortly after that. But yeah, were you guys paying attention to the writer's strike this year? Yep, totally. Yeah. There was a whole bunch of podcasts that I was listening to
3: that stopped podcasting just in solidarity with these folks. Cause they had writers on their staff too, but they were paying them well, but still they were like, F this. <laughs> we're gonna go on break and just be in solidarity. You guys remember when Drew Barrymore was like, We're gonna
0: we're
2: gonna keep going. <laughs> yeah, she was a scab.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like right away she was like, Oops, I messed up. And it's like, yeah, that's a bad look, it turns out. <laughs> it
2: was Really cool that all the scab performers were all terrible, too. Like, it was, like, Drew Barrymore was like, I'll be a scab, it'll be great. And then, like, uh, it was Bill Maher right after. And everyone's like, no one wants to see this, Bill. Like, (laughs) like, stop that.
0: I'm gonna give out some extra points for each strike that you guys can name that happened this year.
1: Cats. This is maybe cheating, but also the SAG.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, we'll count that. Ah,
3: wasn't there a QP strike this year as well? Kristen will Google that. It's not on my list. It was the, Ontario, like, Ontario educators and stuff, right?
4: Yeah, I I think you're right, but I'll check.
2: Uh, Help the Metro strike. Metro, the grocery store, they were striking in Ontario.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, the Toronto grocery stores, that's right. And they won. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: (laughs) I can think of two others. Wasn't there a TVO strike as well? And then there was also, I think the Ontario Nurses Association was striking.
0: Kristen will double check both of those. There were so many strikes this year. So the Canadian women's soccer team as well. There was a public workers strike in Quebec. Uh, and then there was the auto workers strike as right. well.
1: Oh. Wasn't there a women's strike somewhere internationally? There was. I want to say it was a Scandinavian country, but I can't. Oh, Iceland. Yeah
2: help. <laughs> um, <there was> a, <laughs> I keep yelling help and I'm worried that my neighbors are going to think that something's wrong. <laughs> there was a PSAC strike as well at the, the beginning of the year. I remember reading an Andrew Coyne column that sucked where he was basically like just scabbing out on it. He was just like, we can't afford all these, these workers asking for money to live and eat food. It doesn't anyways, I, I, they came to an agreement as well.
3: Ah, I have another one. Wasn't there uh, a strike in France for the uh, garbage collectors and there was all this trash laying around everywhere?
1: Yeah. And I don't know if this was also a strike, but there was protests because they were going to raise the age of retirement in oh, France yeah. too this year.
3: It was a good year for strikes, but a bad year for strikes too, I guess, because it's a bad year if you're striking. So,
1: But I think a lot of the strikes did like mobilize and, and gain at least some of their goals. So that was good.
2: <laughs> It's, it's nice to see, like, the amount of places that got wins. I don't want to get too all <laughs> too cheesy, but, like, every win is, like, a win for all of us, right? Like, it, it, was, it was super cool to see.
0: More worker solidarity is what we're going to need to combat climate change in the coming years. So it's really nice to see some worker solidarity kicking off because it's going to be completely necessary as things continue to develop. We are moving on to our final category. No news wrap-up quiz is complete without a touch of pop culture. So we're going to delve into the hot goss of 2023. So who claimed the coveted title of Time Magazine's Person of the Year in
2: 2023? Oh, it was Taylor Swift.
0: It sure was. Do we have any Swifties on the the pod today?
2: My sister... maybe like the swifty i don't want to brag but she's, <laughs> she's like in like the upper echelon of listeners on spotify too it's like a
4: does she get an heiress tour ticket <laughs> do those exist <laughs> I,
2: I know like Taylor taylor swift is coming to toronto for a show but and my sister has a ticket for that but she already had a ticket for her show in liverpool and so she like she sold that ticket so she could go to the one in toronto like she's nuts about taylor it's Wow. And I'm here to support her by getting that question right. <laughs> well
0: done. Do you know Taylor Swift's uh, astrological sign? I'll give you a point if you do. I think she is a Gemini. No, I know that's not true. Uh, I think she's. A, I think she's a Sagittarius, but uh, Kristen will have to double check that for us because my best friend is a, is a huge Swifty. She's deep in like the Taylor Swift like conspiracy theories. Like she'll watch all the videos and be like, "This color scheme is like Taylor trying to tell us this and this." And I'm like, mm-hmm, "Great, okay." <laughs> she's apparently a Sagittarius. She's a Sagittarius. That there you go. I listen to when my friends talk to me. Now, <laughs> point for Kyla Kyla.
2: (laughs) if you win the quiz do you get to keep your money is that how that works
0: (laughs) (laughs) I got so excited last year Kristen usually does the questions I got so excited last year when I knew the answer to one of the questions that I answered it and I was like I'm not competing (laughs) (laughs) I was like oh sorry everyone (laughs) I'm not playing (laughs) so I warned Kristen in advance I'm like you should read the answers so that you're not excited when you know them (laughs) all right Guinness World Records crowned this book as the fastest selling nonfiction title on its release date. Can you name the literary sensation that achieved this remarkable feat? Ah, was it
3: uh, Prince Harry's book? Yes. Yes. Yes, it was. Yes. Spare. That's where he wrote all the titillating details about his penis having frostbite, right? <laughs>
0: Kristen wrote down something about it being about his penis when she wrote this question that needed to be in. So presumably, <laughs> yes. I did anyone read this book? No, I just heard a lot about it on TikTok.
4: <laughs> Do we have any
3: royalists on the Everyone
2: on the today? at the Big Shiny Takes Institute <laughs> loves the royals, you know? Just dig into the monarchy. <laughs>
3: I will say, though, I did get, like, definitely sucked into The Crown on Netflix this year. I couldn't help it. It just happened. And it is so infuriating to watch.
1: (laughs) I stopped watching it, I think, two seasons ago before the whole Princess Diana storyline started kicking in.
3: Yeah, I had to stick around for it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I did enjoy it when it was, like, I mean what to me is like the distant past when it was like the queen is a young person and stuff. I was like, "Oh, this is a fun show."
0: Yeah. As like a diehard Doctor Who fan, I watched the first season for Matt Smith and then Yes, he, right? But then I was like, "Oh, I really don't like king whatever." So like I <laughs> I had to stop because I can't watch Matt Smith be that shitty king so
1: (laughs) so so wait are you watching house of the dragon then and watching matt smith be like a kind of shitty person there too
0: oh yeah a a disgusting uncle i'm loving it yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh okay House of the Dragon had a really kick-ass birth scene that I think everyone should watch even if they don't watch the rest of the show. It's Ooh. really cool. Uh, they they film it uh, just like they do with the battle scenes, like one long take and it's like, it's brutal and it's really cool. So Ooh. shout out to House of the Dragon for some serious feminism this year <laughs> or last year. I don't know when that came out. It wasn't in my <laughs> news. <laughs> in June, global attention was captivated by a 10-day search for the OceanGate submarine. <laughs> oh, yeah. What was the name of the vessel?
2: Help! Oh, it was the Titan.
0: Yes. Yes, it was the Titan. It was the Titan. That was in June? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it was so
3: recent.
0: <laughs> Nobody would stop talking about it. I thought it was a really cool way to kind of break down because like everyone was like, oh, people died. Like you shouldn't be so bad. Like like you shouldn't, it's too soon and stuff. And I'm like, I-, I-, I kind of liked all the takes where people were saying like, they're rich monsters. So, you know, like... <laughs> not going to feel sorry for laughing at these memes. But I did have like that moment where I was like is am I bad? And then I was like no, they are.
2: <laughs> no, it was the sub and the people on it.
0: <laughs> what ended up
2: happening with all that stuff? I know that the company was being accused of cutting corners for safety regulations and like the the vessel shouldn't have ever been that far beneath the surface of the ocean. But yeah, that it's just completely fell off like so many things in the news cycle.
0: I Uh, was fully invested in this story so I I could actually like regale (laughs) you guys with what happened if anyone else wants to do that though like what is anyone else really following this? I was following it because I was
3: actually working as um, a fill-in producer for a talk radio show that day and all they wanted was like immediate breaking news so everyone's like what's going on? What's going on with the sub? And this is before they found out that it had imploded for sure and it was me that delivered the news to the host on air being like, well, the sub imploded. We know this for sure, and it was intense. And I was wow. like, I think that was my first day on the job. Whoa. <laughs> but please, Kyla,
0: I want to know all the details you know because oh my goodness, it was so riveting. So I uh, watched like a like a really long YouTube video after the fact, like in July or something, that kind of broke down step by step everything that happened after information was released, and uh, it was a ten day search. And it cost millions and millions of dollars for the Canadian and American Coast Guards. It was off the coast of Newfoundland that this submarine imploded. First of all, for years, the owner of Ocean Gate, who was on the submarine, was being told that the submarine that they were building was not, like, sea-worthy. <laughs> like- and, uh, like, a bunch of people, like, quit because they were like, well, we don't want to be on the payroll when this thing implodes. And the guy was like, no, we're going to use these materials because I'm a really intelligent billionaire. I'm basically Elon Musk of the sea. And so, like...
2: And he was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So anyways, it was a 10 day search, uh, but it came out after the fact that they actually knew that it had imploded like right away and they still went on this 10 day search anyways. So there was like communication that has I'm pretty sure since been released between the submarine right before it imploded and the boat that they were communicating with. And so the submarine uh, was like starting to kind of crumple so they could hear it cracking around them <gasps> a little bit and it was no longer rising. So they were trying to get back out, but they were kind of just stuck And then there was a really loud underwater bang that was heard like miles away by like the Coast Guard. And then they still decided to do a 10-day search and let everyone believe that like this submarine had potentially just sunk to the bottom of the ocean, was sitting on the ground.
4: So I'm not like a deficit hawk, but did we ask for our money back for that
0: search? (laughs) I read about this yesterday to kind of brush up on this story because it's just so wild. The Canadian Coast Guard was like, no, we're not going to, nobody's asking for money back because it's like part of their operating budget to like search for, but I'm like, but you knew, you knew that it wasn't going to be recoverable. So they searched until they found the debris and then they were like, okay, well, that's that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, couldn't you have stopped when Mm -hmm. they were on the radio saying that they could hear the thing like around them starting to collapse and then you lost contact right as a giant boom happened? Like maybe like. (laughs) And James Cameron himself even said that day, like they're not.
3: Yeah, it was like day one. He was like, yeah, it imploded probably within seconds. They've been dead for already like for a while now. Like it's over. James Cameron.
0: (laughs) No one knows more about visiting the Titanic than James Cameron. Let's be clear. (laughs) It's true. It's true.
2: To Kristen's point about the fact that there were really no deficit hawks on this story. They never really go after, you know, when millionaires are missing or if the cops have a parade for a dead dog like they did in Toronto. They don't care about that. It's like they only care about the deficit when it's people are spending money on a program that might help people, right? <laughs> right? Like that's when we don't have money, right? Like Andrew Cohen yelling about uh, about the strike. We can't pay public workers money so they can you know live. Like <laughs> that's that's when we talk about the deficit, right?
4: Yeah. When well, we want to spend an egregious amount of money on a battery plant. Nobody bats an eye. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
2: They're missing those days. You know, the, the deficit hawks, they're all out golfing or something while, you know, those <laughs> conversations are being had.
0: Okay, this is our penultimate question, second to last here. This summer saw an extraordinary surge in audience interest for a pair of films that didn't follow the sequel trend. Can you recall the name of this unique double feature weekend? cats yes jennifer
1: barbenheimer
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes yes uh now uh which movie did you guys see that weekend and there is a correct answer that you will get a point for i saw
1: saw the
2: barbie movie (laughs) neither but i'll lie barbie
3: (laughs) (laughs) i did see oppenheimer like two days later as well but (laughs) did you see
1: oppenheimer jennifer i have not seen it no
4: (laughs) no i didn't watch it either Kristen. no did you watch barbie even i did yeah I was not expecting the atmosphere that, like, in, in hindsight, everybody knew that people would be dressing up in pink, and I walked in and was shocked, and in front of us, there was this row of, like, four men all in black V-neck T-shirts, not laughing at anything, that I think were there for the doubleheader.
1: Oh, I thought maybe they were cosplaying Ken, because doesn't he wear, like, a black V-neck T-shirt at one point?
4: That would have been good, but they looked really unhappy the whole
0: time. My friend who is a T-Swift fan, I knew because she was deep into the Barbie sort of hype. So I was very much anticipating. the. I even wore a cute outfit and then everyone there looked super cute. And I was like, oh my God, I love your outfit to a bunch of strangers. So it was actually super fun. I loved the vibe.
3: (laughs) It was really fun. It was a very welcoming and warm vibe. Also, I will say the really funny commentary around Barbenheimer as a whole was that Oppenheimer would be the movie that made everyone feel existential and then you'd kind of go to see Barbie after to like feel better about yourself but that was not the case like at all.
4: <laughs> Barbie was like a complete experience. You felt the existential angst but then you felt happy. It was good. <laughs> yes.
3: And Oppenheimer just made you really mad at the way that government
0: spends money. <laughs> <That's> yeah, <it. laughs> I don't want to watch Oppenheimer. I'm first of all I'm not a huge fan of uh that filmmaker. What's his name? Christopher Nolan. Yeah, Christopher Nolan. I don't know. I think he's kind of boring. I didn't watch, I didn't watch Tenant either.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I haven't seen
3: Tenant. Not to get too much on the movie roster, but we do talk about movies a lot in my household. And it seems like since Tenant, Chris Nolan's movies just aren't hitting as hard for people these days.
0: I just, I don't need to watch a movie about a bunch of dudes making a bomb and then testing it on like navajo lands you know
2: like yeah, yeah you know how it ends the bomb goes off but also like <laughs> nolan without like a crutch like oh we're going back in time and forward in time at the same time or hey batman's here like i think it would be a, it'd be a tough one for me to watch you know like
1: didn't he do inception as well yes yeah, yeah. which was cool I, I i liked it yeah yeah me too yeah i think there was
0: some cool things that they did with inception because it was like you're in a dream and it's live action so it's like all right cool Kristen, where what are where, where are we at with the standings right now? We've got a pretty close
4: race happening right now. We've got Jennifer with seven points, uh, Eric with nine points, and Katie with ten points. So this one is potentially for the win.
0: (laughs) Wow. I have an idea if we have a tie, so here we go. Donald Trump made history as the first president to have his mugshot taken. Can you remember the location where this historic shot was captured?
3: Ah. Yes, Katie. Was it New York? No. ah, oh,
0: he's got so many indictments. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Help. Arizona?
0: No. That, that's a good guess. Ah. Was it Florida? No. Oh, I was like, how could you can't talk about Donald Trump without talking about Florida? I think you guys are all gonna you guys are all gonna recognize this one pretty quickly. It was his mugshot was taken in Atlanta, Georgia.
2: Knew it was an A.
0: <laughs> None of us got the point. <laughs> So then, that, I guess that makes Katie our winner.
2: Yay!
1: <laughs> that was such an anticlimactic last question.
0: Look, that's fine. I wanted to end with Donald Trump's mugshot, anyways, because like it's so good. It's so good. It's nice when like a little bit of justice can sometimes be served. You know? Yeah.
4: Although Kyla, he kind of seems like he's going to win anyway.
0: <laughs>
3: so disappointed in the world. Yeah. <laughs> eric is rubbing his eyes right now he looks so <laughs> disappointed in the world
2: <laughs> well it's like i don't know like during his campaign for 2024 he's gonna be wearing that t-shirt oh, yeah and be selling them at his rallies you know that right like he'll like do like the whole outlaw president shtick and he will like get like a huge majority do they do a majority they don't super majority <laughs> I don't know. i'm so not looking forward to 2024
0: we try to keep it light, but things are.
3: <laughs> I almost feel like you need to do a quarterly quiz podcast just to go quarter by quarter. Cause like there is just, I had to really like go back into my back
0: catalog memories for this.
1: That submarine felt like it happened in a completely <laughs> different year to me.
0: Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that, well, 2023 was a big year. Like stuff happened. No. And these questions were also difficult because mostly it's about the discussion. So.
1: Hey, can I talk about the one big news story that's still like picking my brain right now? I don't even know how big it is. That's probably not that big, but like February 2023, when Replica pulled their erotic roleplay function from their apps, did you hear about this one? No,
0: no. Please enlighten us.
1: Okay, so Replica um, is put out by the company Luca, and you can use AI to create a companion or a buddy, kind of like the Snapchat Snapchat AI, but before that, it's been running. I can't remember how many years Replica has been running, but it's been around for a while. And you can pay them to unlock extra features, including erotic role play, um, which led a lot of people to having kind of long-term relationships with a Replica, right? So they're in relationships. Some people are just like using it as their sex toy, and that's fine. But there were some people that developed like years-long relationships with their Replica. And then I think it was Italy passed legislation early of this year saying that you Tech companies had to be able to restrict access to erotic content to minors, right? Like, minors can't have access to this. And Replica has no way of knowing your age. So their solution was just to, like, remove erotic roleplay entirely. And there were people on Reddit who were absolutely freaking out, who were having mental health crises because they woke up in the morning and the Replica was no longer in a relationship with them. Like, there was no warning ahead of time. Eventually the company kind of rolled it back and people who, so they like did, what do you call it? Grandfathering or like a legacy thing for people who had been part of, who had had an account before this. But yeah, for, for, I don't know how many weeks there were a bunch of people that were like. Really suffering because, like, it was like somebody had just broken up with you with no warning. Whoa. That's my story that's been picking my brain ever since February.
0: I think I heard something about this, but I didn't really follow the story. So, like, that's
1: no. And I think a lot of mainstream media kind of treated it like a joke. But there were people who were like really emotionally affected. Not everyone, some people just lost their sex toy, right? And it's like, okay, you'll be fine. But Some people were really emotionally affected. And it's just it's got me thinking, like, these companies are promising that like Snapchat's going to be your buddy and like all these like emotional relationships. And I don't know, I feel like this replica story is like a warning of what might come in the future.
4: Is Snapchat fundamentally different than when it was originally? (laughs) I haven't been on it in years, but it used to be you just sent short videos to people.
1: No, they rolled out My AI. Is it called My AI Buddy? I can't remember what it's called. They rolled out an AI companion early this year. So they didn't used to have it. But you can't get rid of it. Is I don't have Snapchat. So I'm hearing this from people who use it. You can't get rid of the AI Buddy. It's always at the top of your Snapchat. And it's always available to talk to you even when like your regular friends are asleep because it's three in the morning. <laughs>
0: That's a great way to keep people on your app. I've been thinking about like like the, the death sort of things. Like there's enough of my voice on the internet now that people could probably really easily AI generate like me after I die. And I'm not going to die for a few years. So it's only going to get like wilder.
1: Like Project December and Hereafter AI, I think, are already offering that. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's the AI I've been thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. Any other news stories you got? Oh, Eric's like dying. What's going on?
2: <laughs> I like, I I don't know why I thought this was the example you were going to use, but I don't know if you ever saw the Nathan for you where he makes the business where uh, he's selling like home videos of people's pets that have just passed where he does voiceovers for them. <laughs> to Talk to like the the kids to like let them know that they're okay. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry I died. It's like it's a it's a an old show. If if you know Nathan Fielder, it's a it's what he did before um, the rehearsal and the curse and everything. But yeah. yeah, that's what came to mind, and I was like, I was sweating, I was laughing so hard uh, <laughs> silently because I'm a professional.
1: At one point, I think Amazon said Alexa was gonna be able to read you bedtime stories in a deceased loved one's voice, talking about like the voice generate. But I don't know if they actually rolled it out. Oh.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's coming. That stuff's going to be here. So it's just like, who's going to do it first, right?
1: Yeah. And I don't feel like it's on many people's radar. And I'm like, this is yeah. big, right? Like,
0: <laughs> Any other big news stories you guys can think of this year that we didn't touch on? I mean, we didn't talk about the war in Ukraine at all, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. I just, I try to avoid war questions because I just don't feel qualified to talk about it. And it's just such a, it's so horrific and somber, but like, gosh, it's
2: awful. Not to plug Unrigged, but we didn't talk about Bill C-18 and the fallout for Canadian newsmakers, especially...
3: That's what I was thinking, too.
2: Google reached an agreement, so we're not going to see Canadian news get pulled off of Google. But uh, we're still not allowed on Instagram, which is really annoying, right? Or Threads, which is an app that some people use, I think. (laughs) Uh, Check out Unrigged. It's our way of moving around uh, and getting news by talented, independent news providers to Canadians. So. Yeah, there's my plug. Andre will be happy with that. Katie,
0: any big news stories from you that we missed?
3: I mean, I was thinking about C11 and C18 as well for what that means for Canadian podcasts just in general. But uh, for indie podcasts, it doesn't really mean much. I think people who uh, are making like a million dollars are the ones that have to worry, which is pretty much no indie podcasts. So, <laughs> um, but I'm definitely keeping my eye on that. Uh, a
0: dog just left your room. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I just saw this tale <laughs> like and back.
3: um, and then the other only other story that came up that both Jen and Eric made me think of that I've just been sitting here chuckling, thinking about as Eric was talking about dead pets was just the sheer amount of um hamsters that we just have to say, take a moment of silence for, because apparently. A lot of people in the 90s, when when we were all getting hamsters as kids, didn't realize that hamsters hibernate. And so in the winter... Hamsters were hibernating in their cages and people were convinced that they were dead. And if you look this up, it says to the extent of like if you poke them, if you try and like look really closely, like they'll seem fully dead to you. Um, And you won't really notice that your hamster is actually alive until you like really listen to their chest and hear like a tiny, tiny, tiny little heartbeat. So apparently, you know, moment of silence for all of the hamsters that uh, were buried alive as we were children.
1: And the whole panel was traumatized.
2: I gotta make a call after this podcast.
0: Dear <laughs> <laughs> your parents? Not to my
2: brother. It's, uh, I'm not gonna get into it on the podcast. This is, uh, <laughs> this is gonna ruin his day. It's gonna be great.
0: <laughs> but if you
3: notice that like a lot of people's hamsters started dying around the wintertime, that might explain what uh, what was really happening with your hamsters, so.
2: It was winter. <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm glad I was a cat person with dogs.
1: Yeah, I'm glad I never had a hamster right now.
0: I had a
3: goldfish who did hibernate as well. And I definitely thought she was dead. And then we looked it up and we just found out that they she was hibernating. So, you know, we did have the power of looking things up back then. I did it for my goldfish. But you know, a lot of families, they just didn't take the time.
4: Well, there you go.
0: If it looks like your pet's dead, maybe check. <laughs> this is a PSA. <laughs> Okay, no, no, no. We're not finishing on that. You guys has still have to tell us what your charities of choice are. So what what charities or nonprofits or organizations would you like to shout out on the pod? And we'll start with Jennifer.
1: I'd like to shout out Inspire. They're a charity that helps Indigenous youth financially in order to do post-secondary education.
0: Nice. There'll be a link to that. Uh, what about you, Eric?
2: St. Stephen in the Fields, on the top of Bellevue in Toronto, it's a it's an Anglican church that has been uh, providing support for the unhoused community, um, recently just had an encampment eviction there this past November. So I think Maggie Helwig does a lot of really good work out in Toronto looking after people that are not typically taken care of by the city. So shout out to them.
0: Love it. And before we shout out the winner, uh, I'm going to shout out a charity of my choice that people can gather around. I'm a big fan of Dogwood in BC. Uh, They do a lot of work for old growth forest protection and anti-fracking petitions and stuff like that. I'm going to be doing more volunteer work with them in the new year. So I, I really like Dogwood. I'm going to shout them out this year. I might have even shouted them out last year. I really like them. Kristen, do you have anyone you'd like to shout out? Yeah, this year I'll give a shout out to Médecins Sans Frontières, um, or Doctors
4: Without Borders, uh, just because they're doing a lot of work in Gaza. So if you are concerned about the incipient genocide, send your money their way.
0: Katie, as our winner this year, who are Kristen and I going to be donating to?
3: Um, So my charity of choice is Water First. It is uh, an organization that helps make sure that Indigenous nations across Canada have access to clean drinking water. Um, And I believe they also have some really cool uh, training programs for Indigenous folks to help them learn how to uh, create water cleaning infrastructure around Canada and in the,
0: in the country. So um, yeah, they're doing really cool things. So hopefully we can support them. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. This is super fun. I really appreciate like helping us wind down the year with a bunch of Canadian, fellow Canadian podcasters. Woo! My favorite type of people. Yeah. This is this is my year of friendship, so I, it's been really fun to kind of wind that down with my new friends with, in our podcasting community. Next year is my year of fitness. So. <laughs> That's what they all say, Kyla. That's <laughs> what they all say. Do you guys have any New Year's resolutions you want to finish off on?
2: Yeah. Um, they're all incredibly nerdy, but... Um... Next year, I'm I want to do a public records request every week. Love it. <laughs> I'm sending in a lot of a tips these days. I'm, I'm sure uh, people are not going to be thrilled with me in the uh, specific offices, but <laughs> someone's got to do it, you know. Like, and it's it's five dollars per s.O, like, why not?
4: It's a great deal, honestly. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> they have to say yes to something eventually, right?
3: <laughs> my resolution uh, as a hobbyist is to build up my newsletter pod, the North, and I'm also working on a. Uh, little podcast partnered podcast that's coming out soon so that I'm very excited about that and then my resolution as a freelance podcast producer is to work less and make more money so that's kind of great combo. the direction that I'm looking at right now <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah Kristen and I rolled out a patreon and uh like which has been fun because we don't want to we, we're not like big on selling ad space for our show unless we get like a really wild endorsement from a product that we love. But our Patreon, we're putting out like episodes of us just going buck wild on a book that we've read together. So it's just like a book club and it's super fun. So for anyone who wants to like listen to Kristen and I just be completely unhinged. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Kristen, what about
4: you? I'm hoping to connect with more people next year. I feel like I've
0: been way too damn serious for way too many years. So... It's Kristen's year of friendship. I'll tell you what, Kristen, it worked out really well for me. (laughs) Nice.
1: I'm still like, oh my gosh, when is New Year's? It's less than a month away. Oh God, I'm not prepared.
0: In in like a
1: week. (laughs) I know, I know. How did that happen? So my podcast originally accompanied a book that I wrote called Gender, Sex and Tech, an Intersectional Feminist Guide. And then it kind of spun out beyond the book. So I am Learning how to rebrand it so that because it's not really tied to the book anymore, Um, so I guess that's like my professional podcasting resolution slash goal.
3: I wrote a whole newsletter about that. If you need
1: help, thank you.
0: Yeah, rebranding is hard, and Katie knows all about it.
1: (laughs) Yes, I definitely need help, so I will definitely be um, taking you up on that offer. Okay, here's kind of a corny personal resolution, maybe is. I think that and I think maybe we've kind of we've laughed through it, but I think we've kind of like noted that there's a lot of despair right now. And so I think that in my personal case, despair often leads me to inaction. So I'm going to try and make it like a year of, of hope and hopefulness, because I, I think hope helps fuel action. And, and when I think about despair, I think about like, who's benefiting from my despair? <laughs> And it's often the people who want things to stay in the status quo. so i'm I'm going to try and resist that this year. That's like a personal goal
0: that's a great one to end on. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And Kristen and I will catch our listeners in the new year.